You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Piston Podcast, episode 9 of the second series of the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast i am back i am back in my home studio last time i did all of this podcasting business is about two weeks ago because i pre-recorded last week's episode the literally an hour after i pre-recorded the episode after that it's complicated business but basically last week or the start of this week it's confusing this podcasting world i went away on holiday to dawless this is all before the new lockdown stuff and all of the new measures have been released um and had a really nice time but i needed to pre-record uh, episode eight of the second series of the podcast otherwise it just it would be non-existent and I've got to keep on top of these things because i know i have a lot of loyal listeners so thank you and Weirdly, last week's episode, I I pre-recorded it special. I wanted to make it really, really nice. And so I reviewed, undoubtedly, the day womb it is. And I thought to myself, right, it's a podcast, I'm going to like it. But is anybody else? And it was a bit of a gamble because I was like, people people don't really like the day womb it is, apart from one or two people on my Twitter. Um, And it was a bit of a gamble. But weirdly, the day womb it is podcast has been one of the most successful podcasts in the past few months, which is quite unusual. So if you have been listening to that podcast, and I thank you, really, for the shock you gave me when I logged on to my podcasting distributor site to see all of the analytics. It's just, it's bizarre, really. People maybe do like the day rumours, and they just don't know about it. But anyway, if you did like the podcast, then go check out my article as well on Drive Tribe, Daniel's Tribe, and it's called The Story of the Day Rumours. Anyway, that's nonsense. This episode is going to be very good, very, very good, because we're talking about hypercars. We're getting right to the big, proper cars. From a 0.8 litre, three-cylinder, to a flipping V8. I know, it's 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 really, really bonkers. As you can see by the title, the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week this week is the McLaren Senna, but we'll get onto that later on in the show. Before we get started, don't forget, if you're on that platform, subscribe to the podcast or follow the podcast wherever you're on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you listen. It doesn't really, I don't really know. Uh, it's a bizarre world, podcasting, because it's just so many platforms that may take your pick. And remember to follow me on social media at DanielCars05 to keep up to date with the latest Piston Podcast news and other random bits and bobs that I like to rant and talk about on Twitteroo or Instagrammy or something like that. So go and check my social media out. Right, let's get started with some uh, the car news. We always do this every single week. Don't know why, it's not a proper segment, but it's just made its way right from the beginning automatically apparently i do car news so let's kick off with that for the first 10 minutes or so the first story is barclay is back um and it's based it's fancy a lightweight br- powerful british sports car but don't want a lotus bedfordshire bedfordshire there we go has the answer for you struggle to read it but in the end i got there so remember barclay they made tra- sports cars back in the day they're back, apparently. If I'm honest, I'm talking as if I know what Barclay is. 
I don't. Uh, I've never really heard of them, um, which I probably should do. But oh well. <laughs> Moving on. General Motors has just created a military vehicle for the U.S. Army. Wow. And there's a picture in front of me, and it's bare bones. It's really bare bones. It's green. It's got scaffolding all around it, big chunky tyres. It's army green as it would be. And, oh my word, the thought that comes to my head is I want to drive that down the street, down the town centre, just for the laughs, because that just seems really, really cool. I don't know why it just does. Um, General Motors, keep to the topic, has unveiled an EV Connect and Cruise setup for EV hot rodding. So General Motors unveiled that it will be producing what is effectively an EV crate motor. Exciting news for EVs. Uh, now, moving away from General Motors, this is a very, very funny story. Um, I had a look at this one just before I started recording. And it's quite funny. You see um, people making catastrophic mistakes. It's normally non-car enthusiasts and they make mistakes with their cars. Just like when I was uh, presenting my radio show last year and I did like facts and stuff. I was talking about this woman who had a front-wheel drive Mercedes... Uh, A-Class, I think, something like that, and she put the snow chains on the rear tyres, um, and she was in the snow, so basically, the wheels that are being driven were skidding all over the place, but it's alright, because the wheels that weren't being driven were grippy, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's Weirdo of the Year Award, but that was 2019, and I think Weirdo of the Year Award 2020 goes to this female mini-driver, um, who apparently has got lost, um, and accidentally ended up on a race circuit. Uh, yeah, it happens to the best of us. Um, how, how? 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 And I know, like, say the Nürburgring or something like that, it's technically like a toll you pay to get through a barrier and then you can take your car around all very cheap until you crash, then you have to pay like five grand or something silly like that. But how do you accidentally end up on a race circuit in your Mini? There's a picture here, there's like a Mercedes AMG race car we're going around the track and just along the, um, along the, you know, the runoff area, there's a little mini, mini petrol with a little stripe down it. Just a standard car, and she's got lost, quite evidently. Um, is it? Oh, yeah, Mini Cooper driver invades Mercedes race. So it wasn't even a uh, open to the public race day or anything like that. It was, it was Mercedes testing out their cars, and somehow Mini Cooper ended up on track. Right. <laughs> so... Right, okay, that's that's very, very unusual. Um, a 29-year-old lady in her mini um, attended a drag race in Brazil where she competed. Uh, once the race had finished, she carried on driving but got very lost, so much that she ended up on a nearby race circuit. So she didn't actually take part in some races. She wasn't just a random, uh, a random guy or woman. So, yeah. That is not very good, and if you are that woman, then feel sorry for you, because that must have been very embarrassing, and you're actually on the news, so well done. Um, so, I heard, I, you must have all heard in the news about Mercedes buying, I think, 20% of Aston Martin, and I know a few people have been going, oh no, it's all going to go downhill from here, another British brand, down in the dumps, owned by the Germans, partly. But I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the light out of this, because... Bentley, you know, is owned by Volkswagen. Rolls-Royce is owned by BMW. Nobody really complains. And I know Aston Martin, they make fantastic cars. But they just can't they just can't do it anymore, really, on their own, making their sports cars, because they're competing with the likes of Lamborghini and stuff like that. And there's no competition. 
Nobody wants an Aston Martin, really, apart from the elite people. Um, and that's just a sad reality. That's why I think the DBX, I know not many people like it. I'm 50-50 on it. They needed the DBX because it brings them into the SUV market, which is the biggest market for the automobile, and therefore it's going to save Aston Martin and give them funding to make their exciting cars. But them being owned by, partly, by Mercedes now is is only going to help them continue to make these interesting cars like DVS, Superleggeras and Vantages and stuff like that. So, I'm all for it. And it also gives it a more stable future with EVs because, you know, Mercedes with their EQ cars or their EV technology rivaling with the e-tron and stuff like that from audi well i think um i'm hoping i'm really really hoping that they put some of their eq electric batteries and motors inside a dbx and make an all-electric dbx because i just think that'd be really cool uh very different but very very cool uh, that's good so it says here a madman has resurrected a porsche 911 turbo s from the dead so it's he's, he's a russian he must be drunk uh, and he's a Russian mechanic, and he's created a Franken-Porsche, whatever that means. Uh, I'm learning German, so I should probably know. Um, but he had a 911 Turbo S, or he got one that was literally crashed, and he's put different different body panels on it. It's all different colours, so it's like the bumper's primer, the rear end is grey, the door's white, the bonnet's blue, the wing is black. That is really, really weird, but, you know, fair play to him for making it his own unique car, I suppose. Um, now... Despite being nearly two decades old, the Honda Civic is gaining value. This is the first one. Um, I can't, you know, do you know when people say like oh, the B7 Audi or the K11 Nissan Micra? Well, I tend to struggle with them names. I know a few of them, but not too many. And I'm trying to remember the name of this Civic. Is it F something or other? FK? I think it's Mazda. But I'm not sure. Honda Civic... I think I said it the other day, just without realising. But the old Honda Civic Type R, you know, the first one, apparently is going up in value. which So it should do, really. It's not JDM hatchback, hot hatchback. So, fair play. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, the Type R and SI models seem to be gaining a large cult following, while prices for clean, low-mileage examples are shooting through the roof. Uh, a 20-year-old EK9 Type R, there we go, recently sold for a whopping 70,000 US dollars, double the price of a brand new FK8 Type R. And following, this clean EP3 SIR has been listed in Canada, an equally crazy $29,500 Canadian-American dollars. Uh, so this converts to roughly 22,150 US dollars matching the price of a brand new Civic SI. So I, so I apologise it's all dollars, but the American listeners will know what on earth I'm talking about. So there we go, they're gaining in price. Um, a lot of cars are going to start doing that because cars are getting older, obviously. Obviously, Daniel. I mean, our Fiat Panda 100 HP, we, we were talking, we've really got to look after it because it's a 2007 car, but soon it's going to start really going up in price because they're rare, they're collectible, they're funky, they're different. So why shouldn't it? It's good. Uh, SSC are to rerun their top speed record attempt. I think I talked about this about two weeks ago. So um, basically, SSC have had a lot of heat from the media, basically saying, oh, you might have cheated or something like that, or you did something to your car to do something, so therefore it's not road legal or something like that. I don't really know, because I was away when this was all going in the press, so I only saw, saw brief things. Basically, SSC have basically said, right, the media... 
you're being mean to us, so we're going to rerun our top speed record attempt, and we are going to prove you right. Wrong, even. Prove you wrong. So they're rerunning it. So we'll report back to you within the next few weeks, I'm sure. Now, on to some very sad news. The James Bond actor, Sir um, Sean Connery, has sadly died aged 90, and there's been a lot of stuff going around social media. Obviously, Sean Connery was was a massive star. I mean, he did the very, very early James Bonds. A very, very cool man indeed. Um, he sadly died at the age of 90. So rest in peace to the James Bond actor, Sean Connery. Um, a new Rolls-Royce car has um, come along, and it's inspired by planet Earth. I don't know how that can happen, but apparently it is. Now, I'm interested, actually. Let me try and get some pictures of this car, because inspired by planet Earth. That seems quite easy. Let's have a look, shall we? It's got planet stickers all over it. On the bonnet, it's got sort of a world map, and it's in a dark blue colour. I call and instead of wood on the dash, it's it's like pebble world effect. Really quite unusual. And the seats are quite worldy. I don't know, I, how are you supposed to describe something as worldy? But you're just going to have to have a look, actually. Now, that is really weird. The question is, is this the most beautiful bespoke Rolls-Royce made in recent years? I'm going to vote in this poll. So there's two options. It probably is. Or nah, let me tell you in the comments. I'm going to vote for yes. 52.6% of the British population think yes, it is. So fair enough, it must be good. There you go. Let's move on from that and do maybe a couple more pieces of car news before we move on to the big stuff of the podcast. Um, the new Mustang Mach 1 will almost match the GT350. So, as Ford himself said, it's the return of the Mac. Whoa, it's exciting news. I think Richard Hammond is reviewing this new Mustang or something like that, so that's exciting. Uh, the Ferrari 8112 Superfast is actually fast enough to pop its rear window out. Seriously. Um, it says here, I mean, when you call a car the Superfast, it's naturally going to be super fast. But fast enough to lose its rear glass, that actually comes down to a manufacturing process farce. Um, so there we go. That's That's unusual. That surely can't be right, or is that a feature? I reckon Ferrari are going to come out and say, actually, it's meant to do that, folks. It's, no, sorry, it's meant to do that, Italian people. Uh, we make our cars with high on spaghetti bolognese, and uh, the rear window popping out. It lets you know that you're going fast, and you get the the wind in the back of your hair. Uh, really, really shocking Italian accent, I'm sure. And I think, probably, we should um, we should move on from that. We should call that a day. Um, because we rambled a bit, we've gone over about 15 minutes. Let's, I think, let's get on to some piston discussion. This is random things I want to talk about personally. And then we'll get on to the car review, which you've all been waiting for, the end of your seats. We'll probably fast forward this, to be honest. It's the McLaren Senna, but we'll get on to that in a bit. Um, because I wanted to talk about a car that I saw when I was in Dawlish. It's a Toyota Yaris T-Sport. Basically, me and my friend Matt were cycling from Dawlish to Exeter along the National Cycle Route, which is really, go really good, actually. There's no cars to be seen or anything really calm. Uh, the video coming to our YouTube channel, All Things Auto, soon. So keep an eye out for that, along with a go-karting video. It's all very exciting. But anyway, on the way back from Exeter, I saw a Toyota Yaris T-Sport parked up, so I pulled over to take some pictures. You can see them photographs on my Instagram and Twitter, at DanielCars05. But I basically said, if it wasn't for the Panda 100HP, I think I'd like a T-Sport, a T-Sport Yaris. It's a 1.5-litre petrol engine against a 1.4 in the Panda. They produce roughly the same amount of power, 
But uh, people have basically been saying, actually, the Yaris probably performs better in a straight line, but the Panzer is better around the corners and for braking, and it's a bit more refined. Um, and fair enough, really. But I reckon they're quite um, evenly matched. So it'd be it'd be fun to do a bit of a head-to-head test with them. Get hold of a T-Sports and like that. It's very difficult, but we'll try our best. Um, but I, I did a bit of a poll as well on Twitter. I think it was like 91% would go for the Panda. And I did a poll on Instagram as well. And my posts basically like the comment of which one you prefer. And I think it was like 10 likes for the Panda and about 2 for the Aris. So it says a lot, really. The Panda's obviously a clear win. I think it does because it looks a bit more funky, a bit more retro. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, really nice car, to be fair. Now, uh, I just want to talk about Top Gear, the new Top Gear. And before you all yawn away, I really quite like it. And I know there's a few people actually like it as well. The first thing I do after watching an episode is go onto the Top Gear Twitter hashtag, see what people thought. But anyway, um, since the last podcast I presented, um, episode three and four have been out on BBC One. So episode three was the rental car one, where they got three rental cars, and they drove, they did the ski slope things. I thought it was quite funny. At some points it was a bit childish, but I suppose that's what Top Gear is about. Um... I think sometimes it got a bit tedious for some people, like, you actually idiotic, why would you do that, and stuff like that. And when they handed the rental cars back at the end to the rental car company in, oh, where did they go, I don't remember, it, it was just, it was quite evidently um, set up, if you know what I mean, they probably bought the cars, and the guy probably was a BBC guy, I don't know, wasn't, wasn't, very convincing, but it was good fun anyway. Episode four was the uh, best of British Top Gear, and they had the the Bentley is it Flying Spur or Mulzan. I think it was a Flying Spur. Porsche, not Porsche. Sorry, that's not that's not British. Again, the Bentley isn't either. Uh, Aston Martin DBX and the oh dear, uh, McLaren GT. There we go. So it's basically the best of. British GT cars, very different GT cars, and they did tests and stuff like that, went around Britain, and I actually really enjoyed the episode, I watched that from the camper van in Dawlish, and I really liked it, it's good, really, really nice episode, and it celebrates the best of British, which is just nice, really, because British cars are special, so people don't really know it abroad, but there we go. Now, it's time for the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. They do it for jingle, don't they? And this week, it's the McLaren Senna. Now, the McLaren Senna is a very special car. It holds a very, very special name, obviously, with Ayrton Senna, um, named after him. Very, very legendary racing driver uh, who, I believe, crashed into a wall in the 90s, something like that, and was tragically killed. Um, but, yeah, it's a very special car. It holds a very special name. So it's going to be good, isn't it? And surprisingly, though, my Piston Podcast rating isn't five. We'll come to that later on after the review. So let's just get started with this. Price brand new starts at basically three quarters of a million pounds, £750,000. It comes with a four-litre V8 engine, turbocharged, producing 789 brake horsepower. It's rear-wheel drive. It's got a seven-speed auto gearbox. Uh, The engine produces 800 newton metres of torque. Which is a lot. It is a lot. Uh, miles per gallon average 22.8 mpg. Which you might be frowning, but you've got to remember the car it is. That's not actually that bad. It does show actually how how efficient engines have 
become in the past 20 years, though, doesn't it, really? I know that's not super efficient, but for that engine, for that car, it's fair enough. But I'm sure if you rag it around a track, it's going to be nothing like that. It's going to be like 8 or something silly like that, but oh well. Not 60 in just 2.7 seconds. Top speed, 208 miles per hour. It weighs 1.1, well, 1.2 tonnes, actually. 1,198 kilos, so yeah, a bit of both. Uh, CO2 emissions, obviously this is irrelevant for this car, really, but we'll mention it anyway, because it is 2020. Pushing 2021 already, because it's November. God. Uh, 280 grams per kilometre. Wow. Wow was my reaction when I read that earlier. <laughs> Two-seater, two-door, obviously. Uh, butterfly doors, very, very cool. Um, now, I'm going to give it a Piston Podcast rating of four, 4.5 out of 5. And the reason for that, I think it's very, very nice. And it looks okay. But it does look a bit too track-focused. It's not as elegant as, say, the P1 or anything like that, but I suppose it's not an elegant car, so you could give it a 5 if you wanted to. You can alter the score for yourself, put it that way. The rivals consist of the Aston Martin Valhalla, which is out next year, so... And the SCG0035, whatever the hell that is. Didn't know that was a car until before, but there we go. Uh, Pros and cons. Pros, it handles great. All of the aero really, really works. It's the best of British. British cars, McLarens, all of them. They're just so special. It's, it says made in Surrey, England on it. And in the interior. Like, uh, when I went in the 570S a few weeks ago, I did a review on that in the podcast as well a few weeks ago. Go check it out. Uh, it said made in Surrey, England. And I just thought that's quite a nice touch. Shares the uh, the British motoring industry. What's left of it? Uh, another pro is the name Senna. It's just very special, isn't it? It's just to say I drive a Senna. That's just nice, isn't it? It's nice. Cons. It's not very usable. Um, it's just not very usable, really. It's very rough. It hasn't even got proper side windows. It's got no air conditioning. I know. It's to shed weight. Uh, and the other car, I've only really done two actually, because I forgot, uh, is no hybrid power, like the P1. And people might think, oh, why Why is not? Why is it not being a hybrid a con? Sort of that's a pro or something. But I think the hybrid technology in the P1 was utterly outstanding. And that was in 2013 time or something silly like that. So if McLaren would have done the hybrid power in 2018 when the Senna came out, it would have been more advanced and probably even more special than the P1 in terms of capability and power. But I suppose maybe this car isn't about power. It's mostly about handling and stuff. But I just I think maybe a battery assisting the petrol engine would have been something quite special. But there we go. If the McLaren Senna isn't for you, right, and you have like a million pounds plus, and you want to spend it on a hypercar, and somehow you're listening to the Piston Podcast, you know, uh, then I'm going to give you a top ten list of the best hypercars. Um, you might like one of these. If not, then I highly recommend the Fiat Panda if you're a millionaire. Good car. And number ten is the Lamborghini Centenario, which I think is... A bit catastrophic. Uh, I know that's really a bit weird. People are like, oh my god, it's a Centenario. It's such a special car. But I look at it and go, ooh. It just looks a bit funny. And it's just unrealistic. I don't know. I'm going to get so many, I'm gonna get grilled for that. I know I will. Oh well, doesn't matter. My view. And number nine is the Remac Concept 1. Famously crashed by Richard Hammond on Season 2, Episode 1 of the Grand Tour. Bit of a Grand Tour boffin I am. And number eight is the Picani The Picani Huayra. Very beautiful car. There's a program, actually, how it's made. Pagani Hawaii or something. And it shows the attention to detail towards that car. So, 
it, yeah, it's really, really nice. And number seven is the Bugatti Chiron. At uh, number six is the Aston Martin Vulcan. Nice, but not road legal. Mm, something to consider. And number five is the Koenigsegg 1-1. It's the weird one that's spelt O-N-E colon letter, uh, number one. I don't know, really. Why can't they just call it the 1-1 letter, letter, number, number or something? I don't know. It's confusing. And number four is the Porsche 918 Spider. Now, you may be thinking, when you think of a hypercar, you think of the, the holy trio, right? You think of... Um, you think of the three cars that, you know, they spring to mind. The Froyla Ferrari P1 and the 918 Spider. Now, the 918's at number four, which must mean another one has entered higher than them three, than the Porsche, I mean. And it has. The McLaren Senna is actually, apparently, in the top three hypercars now. Um, topping the 918 Spider. You probably guess number two and one now, but yeah. Number three is the McLaren Senna, which I just reviewed. And number two is another McLaren. It's the P1. Uh, which is years older, but apparently better. There we go. And number one is the Ferrari LaFerrari. Now, the Ferrari LaFerrari. Interesting car for me. I half love it and half don't. Uh, me, personally, if I had to choose any car from that list, I think I would go for the McLaren P1. Just because I like it. I, I always have done. I mean, it was my dream car and probably is my dream hypercar. Even today, I mean, my dream car has gone from McLaren P1 to a Lamborghini Huracan Performante to... A Fiat Panda, but yeah, this McLaren P1, it's just such a legendary car, and I think I would probably choose over a Senna, maybe? I don't know how illegal that is to say. Um, uh, the Rimac Concept 1, though, is an incredible car as well, so tough choice. I'd like to hear your view. Let me know. Email thepistonpodcast at gmail.com with your view or any car confessions or questions or anything like that, or tweet me or Instagram me at DanielCozzo5. I'd really, really love to hear your view. Now, My Way or Highway, My Way or Highway is a segment where I basically do a road of the week, basically. I talk about my way, and you can take that, or you can just go away and take the highway. Now, obviously, that woman I talked about in her mini before is probably going to take my way by accident, um, because this week, My Way or Highway is a racetrack, and specifically, it's Spa Francochamps, and a very... Uh, aggressive French accent. So, Spa, the racetrack in Belgium, was built in 1921. Some facts for you. Did you know the quickest Spa driver is actually from Switzerland? Woo! Eau Rouge, the most famous corner in F1 history, I think, was once a state border. There we go. Because I think part of Spa actually used to be a public road. Um, so, yeah, this next fact links to that as well. The circuit used to actually feature a real bus stop. Now, that's because part of the track that used today, that is used today, used to be public road for Spa and had a bus stop on it for, for buses. And that was still there when they when they changed the track. I don't know if it's there anymore. Might be some remains, but I think it's gone because otherwise you'd be crashing into a bus stop. And Max Verstappen is off the track, onto the gravel. Oh my god, he's crashed into a bus stop. Can't really say that on F1 commentary, it sounds a bit childish. But there we go, there's some facts for you. Spa is a very, very special racetrack. My auntie and my uncle went there a few years back, a few years back actually, to see the Grand Prix. That's just lovely, isn't it? I'd love to go around Spa one day. One day. That is the dream. Is a very special dream. Anyway, I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, what time is it now? It's half past, half past five in the evening. So, got to have a bit of dinner, relax. And then Top Gear is on tonight, the last episode of the series. I believe it's the electric cars by the time this podcast is out Monday morning. Um, you would have already seen it, probably. Uh, Honda E, Mini Electric, 
and the Vauxhall Corsa E, or the E Corsa. So looking forward to that. They race it on Alton Towers, which is quite local to me, actually. And uh, Penny McGuinness is a very interesting uh, ice cream van concept. You know, he makes these concepts. So there we go. I'm excited for that. Obviously, uh, I'm I'm not going to school this week, this week coming up, because I'm apparently in isolation, uh, which is unusual. It's just been half term, and I've got isolation this week. And obviously with the UK going into lockdown... Who knows? Apparently schools are still open, but they might change later on in the week because I know the education people have been saying we should close the schools. It's absolute chaos. Um, But really, I know this is not correlated or anything, but my message is going into lockdown too. Please don't panic. It's very, 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 very nerve-wracking, I understand. But just take some time to look after yourself because... Sometimes these lockdown stuff is is isolation, isn't it, at the end of the day? And it can really, really bring you down, which is not what we want. It's not what you want. But if you're ever bored in lockdown, just saying, there's about, what, 29 episodes now of the Piston Podcast? So go check them out. It's plenty of entertainment, and no doubt it'll get you through. No problem. The next month plus, maybe, to save Christmas. But there we go. Stay safe, and I will see you next week for another instalment of the Piston Podcast. Goodbye. You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast.